This episode is brought to you by Mandalay Bay. The man, the myth, the legend, Grammy Award-winning Usher begins his residency at Dolby Live at Park MGM on July 15th with tons of dates to choose from. Make sure to check it out. And the Las Vegas Aces have completely taken over the city with their home games at Michelob Ultra Arena. So make sure to get tickets. Go enjoy the excitement. As always, come say what's up at our studio inside the Mandalay Bay Sportsbook anytime you want. Welcome home. This is the Residency Podcast. I am Jeff Tomasic with Drew Belcher and Lil Raven, yes, bringing you the biggest guests and stories in entertainment, business, pop culture, and sports from our studio on the Las Vegas Strip inside the Mandalay Bay. Make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. You know the drill. Insane guest today. This guy is the voice we all wish we had. The reason we get excited at every big UFC event, the proud owner of the greatest suit collection on earth. <laughs> yeah. Bruce Buffer, welcome to the show, my man. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Of course. Big week for you. UFC week. A lot of stuff going on. Thanks for taking the time. We're excited. Not a problem. We're going to dig in and get the roots right now. The best stories that's ever been told. Oh, uh, here we go. The fun stuff. Uh, this is your life. Okay. Exactly. There we go. There we go. Exactly. Get in the zone. Um, you have been to Vegas so many times. Do you have a a few or one Vegas specific story that stands out to you that we all need to know? Oh my God, I got more than I can remember. I've probably <laughs> okay. forgotten more than I can remember. That's Just fair. put it this way, what stays in, happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, so I can't tell you anything. Nothing, huh? <laughs> Nothing, yeah, that's huh? That's perfect. How about how about like the Vegas from, you know, 90s, 2000s that's to now? I, that's what I'd like to tell you. I, I'm i 65, Yeah, okay? and I've been coming to Vegas uh, since 1972 when I moved from Philadelphia to Malibu. My parents moved me from Philadelphia to Malibu. We all moved, rather. Yeah. And um, which was culture shock. You know, I never saw blonde <laughs> girls like that running out of the ocean. I always wanted to learn how to surf because I if I was in France and be a risk when I was 11 and I paddled out and saw the surfers. and I'm going to do this someday. Mm -hmm. So I became the surfer. I became Baywatch. It was like Frankie Avalon goes to Malibu. You know? <laughs> that kind of thing. All I could think about was I want to learn how to surf and lose my virginity because my hormones were flying. Yeah. yeah. Sold. Yeah. Sold. I learned how to surf. Great plan. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Great plan. Order. Yeah, good order. We all have goals in life. So anyway, um, back then, the guys ran the town, right? Yeah. You know, like Casino. And we stayed at the Riviera Hotel, which is where they filmed the movie Casino. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My dad was a boss gambler, and we'd come in, and they'd put, him up, put us up in the Frank Sinatra suite, and we'd see Sinatra, Streisand, you name it, everybody, all the old days. And back then, when we're gambling, and I was, I can say it now, statute of limitations, but I was playing blackjack when I was 19 in the casinos with my dad. There oh, you go. Wow. So my dad would look at, you know, the pit boss and say, you know, hey, Lou. Uh, my boys want to go see Elvis Presley. Can you get him in? Uh, Mr. Buffer, one second. Right, picks up the phone. Hey, Mr. Buffer wants his boys to go see Elvis Presley. Take care of it. Right, hangs it up. You're all set. First row. Yeah, tonight. incredible. Done. You can't do that today. No. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is Ticketron and you name it. Yeah. And we would go in there and, and we'd gamble and we'd have fun and, you know, run up the comps. And I mean, they, they comp everything. They pay for it. They used to fly my parents in. For New Year's Eve parties, the whole bit. And it was none of this, you gotta play 400 a hand for four hours. Yeah, you gotta yeah. play a thousand. I mean, then you're working for the comps. But I'll never forget when the when the bean counters came in and I checked in and they handed me a slip telling me I had to play four hundred dollars hand or two to four hundred a hand for an average of four hours a day to get my comp. Well, that just mentally ruined everything. For me. Right, right, right. Because then I'm yeah. thinking I'm playing, I'm working for the comp, and then I'm a winning player, but it interferes with it. So now I don't give a you know what, yeah. yeah. comps. I just come in and enjoy myself. And if I play and I earn it, but then they know how I play. So I, I get whatever I get, but yeah. the town's changed. And it's changed, it's drastically. great, it's drastically, but it's it's great, it's incredible. Yeah. I went through the days where they tried to change certain hotels, they started bringing Circus Circus and and um, uh, the Excalibur to bring in the kids. Mm -hmm. Sure. So the, to make it a family venture. So I went through all, through all that stage too. So I, I pretty much seen everything has happened in this town since 72. Gosh, the Elvis, the Elvis days though of Vegas was that unreal. Just... Unreal. You yeah. know, you, Frank Sinatra started drinking a thing of scotch tumbler and maybe messing up some of his words by the end of his performance. You know, yeah. Elvis, he's bloated or not, whatever. He's Elvis Presley. Yeah, yeah right. Elvis. Awesome. I can't wait to see the new Elvis movie coming out. It yep. looks great. Yeah. Heard it's fantastic. Well, Tom Hanks, come on. Yeah, of course. I heard it's something like that. What, the, the kid who plays Elvis. Oh, he looks amazing. Yeah, he just like essentially yeah. be became ingrained into what, Austin Austin Butler? Yeah, yeah I think name? so. Like ingrained into yeah. becoming Elvis that long. Yeah. But that was the gold, that was like the true iconic it, days it of Las Vegas. It was the iconic day we dressed up. Yeah. yeah. For everything. Night, yeah. You know, suits and I still do, but we, you know, we're out like that. You know, I can tell you the showgirl stories, the these stories, the that stories. You can imagine. I've had yeah. a lot of fun in Vegas. Do you do you miss that style of Vegas a lot more? I mean, I know you appreciate the new Vegas, but 
I appreciate it all, but you know, it's like, you'll find as you get older, you, you never realize, my dad would talk, I'd say, yeah, I'm never gonna have a generation gap. I'm never gonna, yeah. Yeah, you do, <laughs> for sure. I mean, try to relate to some of the 20 somethings that are Instagrammed out and. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. In the it's like, it's a whole new world. Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure, <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah, it's just a whole new world and, and it's a beautiful world. You make the most out of it, but it's just like in business. You got to adapt. So you got to adapt as things change too. the old days. There's nothing like the old days. There's nothing like today. So just yeah. enjoy life. Make the most of it. I've, it I must be that. insane for you to see what it was to what it became and the ride along the way because. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, well you go, you know, the big box, I, listen, I was in boxing before UFC, right? Cause I yeah. managed my legendary brother, the great Michael Buffer, you know, when I met him late in life and I became his manager four years after I met him, I, we did not grow up together. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we were we were going to ask him. Oh, it's, it's on there. Yeah, it's a, yeah, no, yeah. no, and I, we, I think we were so shocked at the story, and a lot of people that we talked to before the episode, you know, you've told the story before, but they didn't know the story, and we were really unaware of how the gap between the the stories happened. So how how did you find out that Michael Buffer was your long lost brother? Well, back, um, my grandfather on record is Johnny Buff. He was the bantamweight flyweight champion in the world in 1921. Okay, okay, and I grew up. My dad was, you know, boxer in the Marines, 13 years, drill instructor, hand-to-hand -hand combat, served in World War II in Korea. I would walk in a room at five years old and I'd say, hi, dad. He goes, son, project your voice, shoulders back, chest out. Let them know you're in the room, right? That's what I grew up with, right? Yeah. Strict, 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 great. I love him to death. I lost him 10 years ago. Thanks, dad. I love my dad. Tough man though. He had me teaching me fighting. We were in Philadelphia. He taught me how to fight, said you're gonna get picked on. I'm gonna show you how to handle yourself. So, I mean, I was I was in the fighting world from like, right out from of the, the beginning, yeah, 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 you yeah, know, yeah. watching boxing and everything, that's what we did, we loved boxing. So in the late eighties, Mike Tyson, when he resurged boxing, you know, and brought it back on the map, out comes this really handsome, debonair, James Bond looking individual, totally different from any ring announcer that was in there before, with all respect to the great Jimmy Lennon Sr. And of course, Jimmy Lennon Jr. is a great guy. Um, and I'm like, wow, let's get right, wow, this is cool. Buffer? What? On the screen, the car mm -hmm. on the screen buffer. I own telemarketing companies in my 20s. I had my first corporation when I was 19. I've always been an entrepreneur my whole life. Yeah. And um, I didn't finish college. I went to college for like almost two years and I tried <laughs> to prove myself in the streets. And I said, if I don't make it, I'll go back to college. I never went back to college. College is good. I'm not saying it's not bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it works out, yeah, people. Okay. You know, you want to be a doctor, an attorney, or whatever, you better go to college. Yeah, for sure. Buffer University 2023 <laughs> coming yeah. out. Yeah. Right, exactly. So um, out comes this guy and, and uh, I'm like, wait a minute. Because before the internet, when my salesman, we sold off supplies. I was like the Wolf of LA, but doing it legally. You know, I, was very, <laughs> I like that. The that's fair. That's good. That's I was right. very, very successful in telemarketing. And um, what I looked in the phone book is all of us did back then, you want to see if your last name's in Detroit or if it's in yeah. you know, Philly where I was yeah. or whatever. Never saw my last name in the phone book unless it was my family, right? So who is this guy Buffer? Then people start coming up to me. Hey, is that your brother? That guy that goes, let's get ready to rumble. I go, no, my brother's Brian. I don't know. So about six months of this happens and I, and then I start calling like Don King's offices, Bob Aram's offices, I'm trying to find out about this guy. And it turns out that he uh, was living like 20 miles away from where I lived in Philadelphia, right? In, in Jersey and um, on the other side. And there were just so many similarities and then it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So finally, I was driving up north with my dad and I told him everything I just told you. And I said, dad, do you have any idea who this guy is? I think that's your brother. Huh. I'm 28 years old. It's like, <laughs> wait, I would have probably driven off the road if I was driving. What are you talking about? The son, I never told you, you know, I've been married to your mother for whatever at that time, 35 years or whatever it was. But I never told you that uh, when I was 20, I went over to do my part in World War II and I got married before I left and a, and a son was born when I was gone. I came back, a divorce ensued. The last time I saw him was when he was two and a half. And you know, I'd send off checks to PO box and stuff. It's just one of those things, son. And um, his mother passed away. He was raised by uh, foster parents under the name of Huber. And now I'll tell you what, what I know from Michael and from everybody, but he was never formally adopted. So when he went in the army, he was Michael Huber all through his childhood. Got it. But when he went in the army at 20, they go, you're not Michael Huber, you're Michael Buffer. 
right? Had that not happened, we wouldn't be having this conversation. You never would have known. Yeah, because wow. the last names would have been different. Just be like Michael Huber, what a great guy. Oh, I'm a big fan, but yeah. right? Yeah, how, would, how else could you possibly have known or brought up to your dad? Like, hey, dad, just double check and there's no long lost siblings, right? Okay, cool. You yeah. know, never, yeah. With no context, right? Well, with my dad, I never, I don't yeah. know. He's quite the, quite the charismatic uh, world, <laughs> world uh, man, shall we put it that way. But, um, what, you know, before, with all respect to my beautiful, beautiful mama. So, um, he, he was doing a fight at a place called the Reseda Country Club, which if you ever saw Boogie Nights, that first scene, that long camera shot when they're going to Boogie Nights. And yeah. the night, that was the place it was, the Reseda Country Club, which used to have like small boxing venue events. Mm. So he was doing a fight there and my brother Brian and I got him to call the venue and he left his name and number. Next day, he got a call back from Michael Buffett. They wow. met for lunch, turned out to be his son. Then we all met for two weeks later for dinner. Never forget that night. I'm a fan. It's my blood walking in. I'm like, one of the strangest feelings I can ever tell you guys. That has to be surreal. It was surreal. It was really, really crazy. We got along great. And then over the next four years, I would go when I'm traveling for my business and around the country, I'd stop off in, you know, New York, Vegas, see the fights. We go out together, have a good time. You meet the family. We're in Vegas. And um, I was burned out. Okay. I, I work with passion. Yeah. If you notice when I'm in the octagon announcing, you know, oh, it's yeah. like, I'm not doing this. Sure. No offense. No offense, other now, no offense, but I can't stand still. Okay, I yeah. I used to bang, and I know what it's like to you know stand across. I was never a pro, and I want to introduce them the way I would want to be introduced. And I want right. to throw my passion, of everything course. I have on the floor. I got to give them everything I got because they're about to put their blood, sweat, and tears and life on the line for our entertainment. Right? Yeah, they're gladiators. So I let it fly like that, and um, I kind of lost track of where I was going. Oh, uh, in my business, I was making great money. Yeah, beach house. Marina Del Rey Peninsula, Life of Riley, kind of living the lifestyle of two and a half men minus the alcoholism, you know, having a great time. And, um, <laughs> but I was completely burned out, right? Yeah. And, and I, and just no love for no love. telemarketing, I just, I right? I'm, I'm getting, I'm making money. Right, know? of course. So I, I meet with Michael. I'm at a fight. It's 1992. I think it's November 16th, give or take, as uh, the first Riddick Bow of Andrew Holyfield fight. Ooh. And Thomas and Matt. He goes out and does his rumble, and everybody from Hulk Hogan to Jack Nicholson is just going absolutely. And I just had an epiphany and I went back to my room and I, instead of going out and meeting girls and playing blackjack in that order, out of that order, whatever the case might be, party. In or out. Yeah. Young guy. Gotta have In or out. It's fine. Old guy. Gotta have fun. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, I sat down and incessantly, like out of a movie, I, I couldn't even stop my hand. I just started writing all these notes, put them in the NBA court, baseball field, football field, put them everywhere in sports and entertainment, trademark these five words, make it part of American culture, put it on the tip of everybody's tongue, make them rich and famous, not just in boxing, keep that as the base, build it out. I, I know how to build brands and businesses from the training I had before, obviously a lot more since then. So I just said, you know, I met him and I said, Michael, I want to make you richer and more famous than you ever dreamed. Hopefully myself in the process, I'd love to be an announcer. Um, but I need to be your partner and I'm going to create video games and toys and movies and all this. And, and I need to be your manager so I can direct and you know book you for all these things. And he's like, well, how are you going to do all that? I said, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I said, but if I'm going to give all this up, you better believe I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. Right. So we went for it. We uh, started uh, the buffer partnership. We each put in $5,000. Cover some 5,000 bucks, huh? 5,000 bucks. Never had to put in another dime. Let's go. Never had to put That's another amazing. Dollar. That's unbelievable. And I love that. Now this brand is probably a half billion dollar brand, not counting what its time is actually becoming it's potentially all, bigger. Yeah. With everything going on. At that time, so, the let's get ready to rumble moment. Do you think that just when you heard that, that just changed? It just it, I always got I always got excited by it and by his amazing voice and, and his whole way of let's face it, words are the words, but without the man, it does absolutely percent. Right? So I became the man behind the man behind the rumble. I became the sheriff of the rumble. So I started marketing them. We signed our papers. We got off the ground. And um, a year later, I came out with my first product. I used, to t- I used to go to Kinko's, 15 bucks a promo kit. I, you know, when you had to print them, put them together, I'd carry yeah. all these promo kits underneath my arm. I'd stay up at night on the fax machine till two in the morning with a single fax, sending them out to three, <laughs> 400. Everybody let them know what Michael Buffer's <laughs> doing, what he's going, you need yeah. us, you need us. What a time. The, just got to go for it, you know? Yeah. Now you can press a button and mass email. Yeah, yeah it's easier. <laughs> Uh, but I'd go into the trade shows, like I took the toy fair in New York and I'd walk around and I'd find something that was perfect for Rumble and I'd pitch it, and pitch it, and pitch it, pitch it, pitch it. Finally, I got the talking keychain, right? It's a boxing glove, of yeah. course, Rumble comes out of it. The talking mug had image of football on it. You drink your beer, you press the button, let's get ready to Rumble. Need it. Right? And yeah. 
And it just, it was a hit right then. Then the big one that really nailed it for us was in 99, I made Ready to Rumble Boxing with Midway. Uh, the, the video game. The video game. Yeah. 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 We sold like 5 million games. You know, it's insane. It was it was incredible. Well, that that catchphrase became like a cultural phenomenon exactly. outside of exactly. outside of boxing because that was our generation growing up on that, right? Yeah. You know, we're all in our thirties now, so the let's get ready to rumble in the early stages of video games. We're not all in our thirties right now. And movies, <laughs> yeah. ish, ish. I am in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Ish. Ish. Like us three, right? Like that. That was like let's get ready to rumble. That growth per uh, kudos to you, obviously the ones who took it to pop culture. That became this just. In every movie it was mentioned and it was like outside of the branding that you did in the products directly, it was just thrown out. Well, the re whenever you hear it, that was me. Yeah. I mean, when, you know, when I say it was us. Yeah. yeah. As I'm the guy doing it, I'll tell, let me segue a second. Do you remember the Jock Jam? Yeah, yeah, of, yeah course. of course. Well, the Jock Jam came out and his- yeah, We're talking about phone books and Jock Jams on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> TikTok's gonna be like, what Everyone can pause and, and Google everything as you yeah. go through this It's okay, it's like this, everybody. Jock Jam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, For sure. So then um, uh, the Jock Jam came out and when I made the deal with Jock Jam, to, when we made the deal to put it first on the very first cut and then the next thing was done, 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 done. Two Unlimited yeah. song. Yeah. So that 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 CD was to give the pumping music for the arenas for everywhere. Yeah. That's where they got their pull, right? Right. I made. I'm gonna pat myself on the back. The smartest thing I ever did when this was, I didn't allow it to become a part of BMI ASCAP, where every DJ in the country could have played it incessantly. I made it a copyright and a trademark. Mm. So even though it was on the album, you can't take it and play it in the arena without our okay and paying us a license fee. Got it. Wow. So what happened is suddenly. Raiders, Ravens, Cowboy, everybody's playing it at all the things that I'm on the phone. I don't even have an attorney and I'm doing this all on my, <laughs> my own. Sorry guys, you, we own that, it's a trademark. You need to stop doing it. Um, pay us what we would have charged you for what you did use it for. I'm not one of the guys who wants to get a bunch of money. Just, this is what we would have charged you. Sure. And if you'd like to continue, I'll give you a license for the season. Started building it like Deal. that. Yeah. That's when you hear it. Then when people take it and they, like Disney made the movie Hercules and at one point, the James Woods character, Hades or whatever he was, he throws a ball of flame in the air and there's Michael's voice. Let's get ready to rumble. Like, I didn't authorize that. Ooh. So what happens? I have to do business. Does Nike let you use the swish? Nope. The swish? No. No. Nope. Does Coca-Cola let you put their emblem on the thing? No. Nope. Is there any difference? Nope. Yep. Like you own it, right? It's your business. You built it. So now I start getting settlements and I start getting licenses. So either they approved it, either I approved it, or I didn't. Well, they settle. And if you ever hear it, we actually pay a finder's fee. People report to us. I get violations every month of people using the Rumble and it's time and they're not supposed to. Wow. And the thing is when you have a trademark, you have to protect it because if you don't protect it, the government could take it back from you. Example in point, Don Imus. You know Don Imus, right? So he, what did he own? He didn't own shit. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and when it came to our stuff. Yeah. Excuse me, Don. Yeah. You know, um, but uh, I was friends with Howard Stern and Baba Booey and all that. Don right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So when Don and I started doing, I come back from a show one time and Don Imus was playing the, uh, the rumble and I had my attorney send him a letter, a polite letter. Said, hey, Don, big fan. Great job. But please, you're using let's get ready rumble. This is a formal trademark. Do not use it again, please. You know, very respectful, very nice. I'm a very respectful guy. Yeah. So I know how to do business. And then I get back, I'm in the cleaners handing in my tuxedo from the show that weekend. And my cleaner goes, hey, you're on the radio this morning. Like, no, I wasn't, I didn't do an interview. He goes, Don Imus was talking about you. what do he say? He goes, he read that letter you sent him. He read this letter you sent him. He said, yeah, I got this stupid letter from some jerk named Bruce Buffer, right? <laughs> he read the letter, he goes, well, I guess we're not supposed to, plays Michael's voice. Okay, dude. All right, now, yeah, Duke's there you go. now the Duke's right, right, here we for go. Sure. So then I sent him, a, I sent him a, another one and I sent him a copy of the lawsuit that I was gonna file against him, right? What happens? Michael calls me from New York like a few days later, give or take. And in the USA Today, there's a little blurb that Infinity Broadcasting is suing us to free up the trademark, let's get ready to rumble for public domain. And that's the people that own the IMA show. Well, now they got Megabox, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes you gotta be David against Goliath. Right. Mm -hmm. I had my attorney win that afternoon and countersued him. And I can't go into the details, but everything was settled very well within a week. Wow. Oh. wow, so they tried Don't to... F with the buffers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. Fucking yeah. go, dude. Dude, that is so they actually try to free it up just for everyone to say, that's, all right, they, cool. that's what I mean. And if you don't fight back and protect it, they're gonna say, hey, if you're not gonna protect it, then it's fine. It's not yours. 
Wow. Was it just because like maybe a couple years or years ago that it wasn't just normal practice to freight to freight like to trademark a catchphrase like that and everyone just well, assumed it should be free reign because that was so iconic yeah, and yours is now the, it falls into the category of perception is reality right mm. is really what it falls into but when you're when you're branding something you should trademark it uh, let, let me put it this way the reason i was proud of the previous thing i said that i made it uh didn't not do it as part of bmi and ascap made it a copyright to trademark so they have to go directly to us is because had all the DJs and had all the shows been able to play it because they pay their BMI ASCAP dues, right? it becomes 15 minutes of Andy Warhol fame or Andy Warhol 15 minutes of fame. Yeah. Like, where's the beef? Show it's me the super money. Super common. Sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, you're fired, right? Yeah. You're fired. Well, he got fired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's good. not get political. Yeah. That's good. Well, so, okay. So back, obviously the business side of everything with you, Michael, and him meeting him was, was unbelievable. And the you becoming his manager was wildly successful. So when did the transition happen where you decided to step into that role of actually announcing? Well, what happened was um, I've been a martial arts since I was 12. I got three black belts. I've been a martial arts my whole life. I fought in kickboxing a ton and never as a pro. And uh, I did go for a pro fight when I was 32, but I got concussed twice in training. God knows how many other times I've been concussed. My doctor said, just, are you making money at this? And I said, no, I make money at this. <laughs> yeah. He goes, well, then train, don't get hit. Save everyone you Fair. really got to yeah, yeah, get yeah. hit. Okay, I made that transition. All good. So the UFC came along. And uh, in 1991, uh, John Milius, the director of um, Red Dawn and, and uh, mm. wrote Apocalypse Now, a uh, bunch, of, bunch of big movies. He was a buddy of mine and my dad's. And he invited me to go to a dojo in Torrance to train with uh, some jujitsu. It's right? my city. And I, oh, really? Cool. Yeah. High school in Torrance. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So uh, I went with him and we go in and I said, John, I've trained some jujitsu. He goes, well, you never trained Gracie jujitsu, mm. right? Mm. So, okay. Cause I was a striker, you know, a lot of street fights, everything. They all go to the ground, but you got to know a little something, right? So I go in and the skinny kid comes out and it, he goes, hi, I'm Hoist. How are you? Come with me. Right. Takes me into a room. We're all alone. I understand you're a kickboxer. Come at me. Take my head off. Right. Private challenge. I go, you want to put some gloves on? He goes, no, let's do this. <laughs> okay, let's go. Came at him, pop, pop, pop. Gets underneath my punches. 45 seconds later, he's got me down on the ground <laughs> in a side choke, choking me out. He goes, tap, tap, tap. So I tap, I'll never forget it. He gets up in the guard, straightens out his geese. says, see, isn't it nice not to get hit in the face, right? <laughs> okay, all the fighting I'd done or whatever, and yes, I know the ground fighting, but I bite, I do whatever it takes. Okay. But he. I realized that, you know, this is another area of martial arts I needed to put more training in. Mm -hmm. I was too far away to train with Hoist. It was like an hour's drive every day. I wish I did. That's the one thing I regret. I would definitely be a black belt plus by now. Um, he's such a great guy. So then when he came out in 93 at the UFC with his hands on his family's back, I said to my family and friends watching, I said, watch that skinny kid. He's going to beat everybody. And he did. <laughs> we all know that story. Yeah. So my job as Michael's manager was to get into every big event that was happening, yeah. which I did. So I called the UFC. And I, I, again, we agreed I would not do boxing. It was a confliction of interest. There was no money in it. He's the only guy that ever made any money as an announcer, aside from maybe Jimmy Lennon. Yeah. And, and some guys these days with all the fights that are happening. Um, so I sold them on the fact that they needed Michael Buffer in the Octagon. And I got him a nice big payday. And I signed an agreement for three shows. UFC 6, 7, and Ultimate Ultimate, right? Mm -hmm. We go to Casper, Wyoming. It's crazy here. UFC six, six seven. Is <laughs> After, uh, what tonight's UFC two sixty seven? Yeah, You're talking about two uh, two seventy six. Two seventy six. Insane. <laughs> so we go to Casper, Wyoming. Tank Abbott's debut night. They're all in the dais. We see them all. They're all monsters. You know, we they were getting the guys like Tank fresh off the bar stools. It was all. It wasn't mixed martial arts back then. Yeah. It was blood sport. You yeah. Know, which, which which style is the best? Michael and I see Tank. We look at each other. Go. Holy shit, look at this guy. <laughs> What's right? going on here? What's going on here? So we see it all. I said, Mike, Michael, where do you see this fighting? Because I know this kind of fighting. So Michael's jaw is kind of like down like this, watching the event, he's doing his thing. And they had to come out and say, if it's not in the octagon, it's not real, right? Mm. Well, we had a huge contract with WCW Wrestling. Yeah, I remember. And back then, before the court case in Connecticut made them call it sports entertainment, they build it and they wanted everybody to think it was real. As yeah. they still do, but you know, you know what sure. I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. right. I mean, Hulk Hogan punched you 20 times in the face. You're <laughs> going to be mashed potatoes. Okay? Uh, yeah, yeah. hop potato. back up again. Yeah, hop yeah. back up again. So, um, God bless Hulk. It's, I mean, I, I I had so much fun going to WCW events. Goldberg, Hulk, Sting, oh, yeah, it was yeah. incredible. The guy. Golden Years, Monday Nitro. 
Yeah. Nitro. Well, Michael used to do the pay-per-views and the Monday Night Nitros, and and uh, he loved it. So when they had him say that, I go, oh, I'm going to get a call. So I got a call on Monday, just like I thought. What are you doing? Why are you putting him in the UFC? You know, your con I said, my contract says he can do anything other than wrestling. I said, but we love being with you so much. I'm going to have him finish his three fights. And he wouldn't have been able to continue at the pace it went anyway. Mm -hmm. And I said, we'll be done. Right now. Just that's fair. let me have him do the three fights. I signed three fights. Don't give him my case about something that's in the contract that says I could do it. So it all went fine. And now they um, they brought in Rich G. Mangoins, a uh, very cool guy that did it. And I realized this is what I wanted to do. And I told Michael, I said, this is the, I told you I'd want to announce someday, this is the world that's for me. Mm -hmm. It's just, you should go for it. So I did. And I would go to New York. I'd meet with, uh, on a business trip, meet with Robin Myers, the owner or whatever, have drinks. Just fell on deaf ears. So finally I get a videotape from a monster named Scott the Pitbull Ferrazzo in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Six one, six two, you know, hands down to his ankles, you know, complete Neanderthal, tough guy, the whole bit. Really cool guy too. And um, I sent it to Robert and he hired him for UFC eight in Bayamon, Puerto Rico. Now I'm not interested in being a manager of fighters. Yeah, <laughs> sure. That wasn't my goal. It was a ploy. So they fly the manager down. I would have paid my own ticket anyway, but they fly him down. I go down, I call Robert up. I said, listen, I'm coming down. I got my tuxedo in my bag. Let me announce the prelims. You need a buffer in the octagon, but you need me because I have the media contacts you don't have that won't even touch you because they're scared of you. And I will help you build this brand but I need to grow with you as the announcer to build my ability to be the announcer. And I will be the best soldier you've ever had in your life. So he said, okay, I'll let you announce the prelims. So I announced the prelims and UFC eight went home. Uh, UFC uh, nine came around, no call, no nothing, right? Now another six months goes by. I still stopped in New York. I, I did everything I could calling. <laughs> right. I come from the school, you asked for the job. Yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah. Beat, beat him, beat wear him down. down, wear him down. Beat wear him down. down. And uh, so then, what happened was, is that I was in the hospital with my mother. She just had a serious operation, had like her six of intestines cut out. I mean, it's bad, right? Day after, she's recuperating. I'm with her in the in the hospital room. My phone rings. It's the UFC. Uh, Rich G-Man going, his uncle passed away. He's got to go to the funeral. We need you in Alabama this weekend in two days. Can you be there? It's <sighs> the call I've been waiting for. This is the moment yeah, the I've one. truly been waiting for. Yeah. Right? I said, I'm going to call you right back and hang up. My mom hears it. She's like, that's the call you've been waiting for, isn't it? I said, yeah, mom, they want me. I said, but I can't leave you. And she goes, go, you gotta go, go. It was like Rocky, it was like Talia Shire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she yeah can't right? Train. Yeah. She doesn't want to train. She wakes up out of the coma and goes, win, right? <laughs> Just and go. All I heard was dun, dun, da, 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 I mean, you talk about that monologue or a montage of videos just think of my next 24 hours is like yeah, yeah. i'm getting in shape I'm yeah, yeah. yeah. Get fired up it. well i get fired i i train for every fight i train yeah. for a fight like a, a fighter as an announcer i i truly get i every night every night i walk out like tomorrow night is going to be my first night of doing this i have to prove to you to dana the powers that be the fans my mom myself that i deserve this job mm -hmm. and that keeps my passion rolling i don't phone it in i'll never phone it in if i do you're gonna hear i'm gonna retire I'm yeah done. Well, so I did the, I did that, come back. I did UFC 10, thought I did a good job. I look at it now, I want to go, oh, you know, <laughs> Yeah, a little cringe, okay. It's first moment, a little cringe, it's scrub. Um, so I came back and I thought I'm going to go, they'll hire me after all the spiel I've given them. No, they hire a friend of the producers. <sighs> I think his name was Manny Garcia, had a good voice, a little nervous in the service, screwed up a couple of names, which gave me more fodder to call back. I said, what are you guys doing? Right? I told you I'm here, you're losing out. I'm not just going to take a paycheck as an announcer. I'm going to help you build this brand. Yeah. Right. Pardon me. Um, so nothing happened. Another month, few months go by. I get a call from Robert. Hey, would you like to co-star in Friends? They they want you to co-star as the as yourself as the announcer. I go, oh, okay. <laughs> really? They're going to send somebody down to get audio tape and video of you. They had a voiceover in the announcer. We're doing a big show with them, the Ultimate Fighting Champion or whatever they called it. John Favreau, Tank Abbott, John McCarthy. So they come down, pick it up. Warner Brothers calls me six o'clock that night, be on the set at six in the morning, rehearse all day tomorrow, film all day Wednesday. You're gonna co-star as yourself. Boom. Dun, 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 <laughs> yeah. So that gave me the fuel. I told Robert, Robert, let's have lunch. I gotta talk to you. You're gonna be on set? Yeah. We have lunch and I look at him and real simply, I just said, Robert, I feel like a girl waiting to be asked to the prom and nobody's asking me. Yeah, right. And it's tomorrow night. I'm gonna ask you one more time. 
you need me in the octagon. I will help you build this sport. I will help you build this brand. I need to become and build myself as the announcer. This is my world. Let's make a deal. Stop effing around, right? Best poker hand I ever played in my life. Oh, that's great. All Best in. Best poker hand. All, All in. in. All, All in. in. Because that was the last time I was going to ask. I told myself I'll do it one more time and I'm done. Yeah. I'm yeah. not going to ask again. Been long enough. And that was it. Boom. So the rest is history. And they should. And they signed you for like a short-term deal, try it out, or like a long-term deal on the spot. Uh, back then, they were only doing three shows a year. Oh. I mean, that was the true. funny thing is that it, the show was like about every three or four months. Now they're, you know, two, three a, a month for me. And um, I got to tell you, when they were every three or four months, it made the, the years go either fast. It was weird. Now yeah. that it's all the time. It's, You're so used to it. Yeah, so used to it. So, so I, there was one Since night, UFC 10, you've done every single UFC? No, since UFC 13. Since UFC 13. 13. But until they brought in a backup who does a very fine job, his name Joe Martinez, does a very fine job. Good box, excellent boxing announcer, represents the sport well. Couldn't ask for a better fill-in for me when I'm not there. And um, with that being said, you know, there's I've done as many as 40 shows a year. Now I probably do about 33. You know, I have other appearances too. I have other stuff I do too. Yeah. Of course. So it, it works out perfectly. So you you mentioned your preparation for the fights as you are a fighter. What what does that look like? What's the pre-fight ritual? The Bruce Buffer pre-fight ritual. Um, well, I train incessantly. If you follow me on Instagram, I sometimes post some of my training yep. videos and stuff. But uh, the day of the show, uh, power breakfast, meditation, stretching, not a workout, stretching, mm -hmm. getting myself ready, uh, getting my head in the, in the game. And then I just go to the, I don't rehearse. You don't mm -hmm. practice at all? Wow. What? No, I want to be real. There's a rehearsal voice and there's the organic voice. I, of course, when I do my cards, I'm reading everything. If you notice, I don't really look at my cards a lot. Yeah, yeah they're, they're always moving. Yeah. Well, yeah. I can also, I have, I can, I can be here. I could, I can see anything no matter where it's at. I can, oh, if I have yeah, to, that's... I can see the six two for Chuck Liddell or whatever. Yeah. Right. So if I have to, but and you know, of course I do at times. Yeah. Um, but when I get out there and feel the energy of the crowd, and then if you notice, I build it up. I'm like this in the beginning until I crescendo to the main event. Mm -hmm. I'm feeding off the crowd. I want to get into the natural, organic mode of it. I'm not filming a movie. I'm not filming a TV show. I've done plenty of those. Yeah. Rehearsal, rehearsal, rehearsal. Morning. Okay, let me get out there and just do it. Yeah. Do it. The like the descriptive words that you use for the fighters and all that. That's just like your knowledge of the sport and what you have in your head, and you're just rocking with it. Yeah. I mean, I get their bios. Of course. Mm -hmm. So I know if they're a, a striker, if they're mixed martial arts or a kung fu fighter. You know? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. <laughs> whatever, whatever they want to be titled yeah. as. I used to look at Roy Nelson. I go, am I really saying this? But yeah. he, is a kung, he is a kung fu fighter. Yeah. That's wild. yeah so it's, it, it was cool. So I honor them with what they want, but then any extra verbiage in, and I don't get too wordy. You know? Yeah. Like, people say I'm, I'm a long-winded announcer at times. I go, are you kidding me? I'm like, I get in there, get that. I'm a sizzle guy. I get in there and slam you, punch you in the face, and I get out. Yeah. You know? This is a fight that's got to happen. But, you but know, I, I got to say the sponsors, you know. Of course. Sure. Of course. Yeah, the, the whole nine. Yeah, you got uh, some list to say. But for yeah, the people I that are hearing that, right, we, the, the way you say it, right, it we true it invokes those feelings out of us that get us excited. Thank and you. And, Thank and you. we feel that energy and that passion, and it makes us ready. Like, we're ready for the fight. Thank you. Like, we're ready to go. Well, I also like how you said it. You do it for the fans. You do it for everyone. But it's you owe it to the fighter who's about to put it. like, the fighters listening to him introduce his own name, 100%. right? Like that's that moment where you're like, this is me. He's telling the crowd that I'm, I've arrived for the fight. Cause they don't get to say anything, right? Yeah. Like, you're the enhance, catalyst. My job is to enhance that moment beyond the level they're already at. Whenever you see a fist bump or Michael Chiesa walk out and get in my fit, that's not me instigating that. Yeah. Sure, I go over to their corner, um, but you know, they are instigating, they're getting into it with me. I'm not gonna, hey, give me a fist bump. No, it's not that. <laughs> They're coming yeah. at me. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So it, the show is not about me. It's about the fighters. And it's not what I say, it's how I say it. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. That's so true. I, I like what you just said too, right? They they're not they don't speak until the after the fight, right? Right. So in, in theory, you're that voice. That passion that's coming out of you is part of that's, their voice yeah, coming out. This is who the, I am. You ready? Let's go. The catalyst of yep. what they're trying to like portray to Which everyone. Which is a ring announcer's job. Yeah. yeah the absolutely. Ring announcer is very important to the show in respect to setting the, the pace for the show. Yeah. Yeah. And the excitement for the fighter that they want to ensue for the crowd to, to get behind them or hate them or love them or whatever, whatever they do, is, right? Yeah. Let's face it. The UFC and night UFC is like a great rock concert. It's nonstop excitement. So, I mean, you don't want an announcer in there that's not going to keep that excitement. <laughs> yeah. Going, you know? Can you imagine? Yeah. How do you keep your level of excitement throughout the entire pay per view? Because, I mean, you're there for a while and you got obviously these big 
faster moments, right? Where you're in the ring for a few minutes and then you're out for a while and then back in. How do you keep yourself? If you're in a show, you'll see like sitting down for six hours, you'll see me stretching and moving around and jumping yeah. around, getting into it. Just like as if I was gonna go and have a, you know, a couple of rounds with somebody. I just wanna get, in, I wanna get into the mode. Yeah. So um, it's a mental thing. You know, I've got it down in my head. It's just 26 years, guys. It's a long time. It's yeah. a long Do you have a most years. memorable announcement that you can remember? You know, like where the crowd was crazy. You remember the most. What was your favorite moment? I can give you examples, but I can't tell you the best fight, the best fighter, the best moment because I've done so many. And sure. I've gotten more than I can remember. I can only give you examples thereof. Mm-hmm. Um, look, tomorrow night's going to be huge. Uh, when when George St. Pierre fought. Uh, what was it? Excuse me. This is what happens to me. I just, I, there's just so many great. Events. Sure. There's yeah. Just so many. You know, I can't give one specific. I think I a lot that. of the ones that we've seen on the internet as well, too, like some of your Conor McGregor introductions. Oh, yeah. Well, you can't get help get excited with Conor because the, the crowd's just going ballistic. Sure. I, yeah. I, I give every, I'm an equal opportunity announcer. I give everybody my all. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, certain guys like Conor, Chuck Liddell, you know, George. Um, I can go on and on and on. Randy Couture, one of the greatest all-around role models of mixed martial arts ever. You know, so much meat to his introduction. The, uh, you know, the former, the former, the former, the... Hall of Fame, <laughs> Octagon Warrior. I mean, that's yeah. so meaty, right? Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, plus, you know, some of these larger fights that you've done, obviously, I mean, look, all the title fights are big, but we know sometimes there's just like the the atmosphere in the arena. And then when you give, when you announce those fighters at that moment, just everyone Raining, goes. Raining. Like, yeah. Raining. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, let's face it. The first time we were at Madison Square Garden, that was a pinnacle for us yeah. to be at Madison Square Garden. O2 Arena in London, O2 Arena in Montreal, the big arena in, in Rio or Sao Paulo, you know, mm-hmm. where 20,000 fans sound like 80,000 fans, yeah. you know, Dublin, Ireland, 12,000 fans, 20,000 fans sound like 200,000 fans. Right. You know, it's just, it's every city, every fight has its own flavor and its own ambiance. So I just look at it, each one as an individual experience and appreciate it so much more. And I kiss the ground every day I wake up to say I'm the voice of the Octagon because I'm very proud of it. I'm very humble about it, but I'll say it again. The show is not about me. I have to do my best. You know, there's always somebody there to take my place. Sure. There's probably 5,000 guys out there waiting for me to drop dead. Begging. And when it happens, it'll be like, it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> the last one. That's the way I want to go, guys. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that'll buy a great white, but that might be a little more painful. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, 50-50 chance, you know, you never... <laughs> What are the Hopefully not. Those odds are a little better than that. <laughs> I, think, I think one of the craziest... Aspects one, by the way, the foresight for you to see the UFC and and assume it was going to become what I it know did from day one was going to be the biggest thing is ever. unreal because I mean let's be honest like you said we, the blood sport aspect of it, the very beginning of the UFC was right it was so far from the traditional boxing nature that everyone knew was so popular but you obviously talking about UFC six seven eight ten thirteen it's just unreal now that we're in the two seventies and and what UFC has become a multi billion dollar business but. Now, like, are your relationships with the fighters as incredible as it as it yeah. looks like that that we see your interactions with them, and it looks like you are have this incredible relationship with them that really can't yeah, be mimicked? There's a, there's a bond. I have brothers and sisters, and made some very very good friendships out of it. You know, and um, they're just amazing. I mean, without mentioning names, I've been in this thing over 26 years, sport rather, and I can maybe name four a holes. You know, mm. these really? MMA fighters are it's kind of like hockey players you know they're just so cool so approachable facts and i think that's one of the reasons that the sport is built aside from all the great work that dana white who's amazing as the maverick head of the sport and i i love working with dana for dana with dana whatever um but there's just great people that's mm-hmm. part of the reason i love this so much what, what is your relationship with dana white how has that been working with him for him for this many years i knew dana when he was managing chuck liddell and tito ortiz before he ever owned the ufc yeah um, and uh, I got a call from Robert Meyer was saying to me, I got some good news and bad news. I go, what's the good news and bad news? He goes, well, the, uh, the bad news is I sold the UFC. And uh, the good news is that Dana White and the Fertitta brothers bought it and they want to keep you on. And that was it. And then I had dinner with um, Lorenzo and Frank Fertitta and Dana White after a bo- big boxing match. I figured out what it was. And John McCarthy was with me. It was about, you know, like 20, 25 people in a restaurant. And they bring out the Opus One, and I'm realizing, because I love Opus One, and I'm realizing, wow, this, this is a class act. And, I'm getting wine and dined here. And here realize, we go. <laughs> and I realize their passion for what they're doing, and it's like this, because listen, guys, before they bought it, we were, we went from the fastest growing pay-per-view on TV to be taken off pay-per-view except for in-demand 
to selling out to having at one point in Louisiana, I'm, I'm in front of 1500 people and I, on my IFB, it says, listen, Kevin Randleman, in the main event, I'm about to announce it. He goes, it's off. I go, what? It's off. He slipped in the back, hit his head and knocked himself out. You got to tell the audience there's no main event. Whoa. Oh my God. Bottles and cans and everything. Get me out of this arena. You know, <laughs> this is just not a good one. This is not a good scene. And um, then they bought it and I realized that quite honestly, we, we probably could have been done. We're, we're at the point of almost extinction. I was going back to the New York offices and there used to be tons of employees. It was like a, you know, half dozen people in the office. Wow. Right. It was, he was spending a lot of money, keeping it going. So Dana White and the Peter brothers, the savior of the sport and Dana, look at him. He's, you know, we're talking about a man that's worth a half billion to a billion dollars, whatever. Give he's take. doing all right. He's doing all right. But he's his right. passion is still there. He's there. still he's doing it. You yeah. Know? And I hope he stays on, you know? Did you have any concerns when the Fertitas sold to UFC? Did you think it maybe would go downhill? No, or did you... I, no after I met them. No, I, I looked at any change to be a positive because that was our only chance. Sure. Mm. And um, then once, they, and once the Fertitas sold it, it was already an absolute behemoth, you know, when the Fertitas left. Oh, when they got left. the 4.2 yeah, million, million, which is the highest price ever paid for a sports franchise yeah. in America. Uh, yes, it was, and now it's worth even more. So, um I just, one regret I had, I mean, back when they first bought it for 2 million, I should have said, Hey, I'll give you 20,000 for one point, <laughs> yeah. which was worth 42 million when they sold it. That's yeah. probably like one yeah. bad business yeah. Well, they said yes or no. Why didn't I even ask? Yeah, yeah. Just a sliver. Just I'll a give you a hundred thousand for one point. I know what's going to happen here. Just yeah. a sliver would have been oh. You know what? Oh. To your credit, I know you're saying this is all about the fighters and, and it is right. That's why we watch the sport. But I think it's really interesting that you, Joe Rogan, and Dana White, from an owner's perspective, an announcer perspective, and a commentator perspective, have become synonymous with the sport that they don't actually participate in the actual sport with in the sport. It's just an unbelievable aspect of like the all-encompassing atmosphere of the support. Yes. Why people watch, right? Because people tune in to hear you announce. People tune in to hear Rogan commentate. People tune in because of Dana. You'll never hear me say that. You know. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, we said it for you. Oh yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, sure. I, I, I mean, that's just kudos to the sport itself because sometimes you can't brand everything as you wish it was, but there's each element has become branding, a reason, branding, branding, right? Branding, has branding, become a reason for us to get more invested in each moment of it, right? Not just wait for the fight to start and end and move on. Yeah. And I think from a fan's perspective, right? Like that all adds to the storylines and the excitement of the whole thing. So, you know, we love it. We Thank love you it. so much. We I appreciate it. it. I mean, it's funny when I'm not at a show, like I, I wanted to go to Austin. I didn't make Austin because I just back from Singapore and I chose to take the weekend off and, uh, rest up for this huge amount of shows I have coming up. And um, people are tweeting me. I mean, I, I feel like I'm hurting people. The show's on. Where are you? I bought tickets to see you. Where are you, where are you, are yeah. you here? Blah, blah, blah. The show is not about me. Have a great time. Enjoy yourself. Sorry, I'm not there. I right know, now. but it does suck when you go to watch a UFC fight. You're not announcing and Joe Rogan's not there. It's like, okay, I, I need the full experience. And you too play a big part in that full encompassing experience. I appreciate it. The beautiful thing. Thank you so much. I appreciate it though, but the, um, you know, you got great guys like John Annex, amazing. And you know, DC on the mic and um, they've got a great DC's good. DC's, yeah, DC's, DC's good. good. DC's really good. Dominic, <laughs> great job. You know, Megan Oldeby's stepping in there once in a while. So we, we just have a really incredible team. We, you know, when we do a show, it's like Boy Scouts go to, Boy and Girl Scouts go to camp. You know, we're like one big family. Seven yeah. blast with it. I think as well, you see now the some of the NFL contracts of commentating that have gone crazy, but it's just, it's, it's important for the fans to have that that draw to who's ever commentating and adding, adding the, and they get a connection event. to them. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. a passion. You for become it. a fan of that person. Well, I don't commentate in the NFL, but I announce we, yeah, so we by saw. the way, big yes. Raiders yeah. introduction, <laughs> that, what, Monday night football yeah. against the Ravens. That was huge. What's, what's announcing on non UFC events like? Oh, I love it. I do a ton of different events. I mean, I get, I get asked to do so many things that are, I can't begin to tell you the stuff that I get asked. But uh, I can't do everything, but I do what I like. And, and the Raiders, I love it. I, they made me part of the team. I'm back this season. Yeah. Uh, they said it's all part of the opening. And uh, then the NFL uh, saw me at the Monday Night Football game. They got in contact and said, listen, that, that just you blew everybody out of the water. He goes, we need you for the Pro Bowl, right? So mm. I said, okay, I'll do the Pro Bowl, but think about me for the Super Bowl, which is one of my bucket list things. That's Ooh, my brother. Sick. Um, and I did the Pro Bowl. And then I came out at the Pro Bowl. And they gave me a microphone and I'm wait, I've waited two months or three months to do the Pro Bowl, right? I walk out, here's Bruce Buffer, it's on ESPN, the whole bit. Dead microphone. No! Dead microphone to the world. Dead microphone to the stadium. I'm on the thing and it's like, 
screaming. I, I never get upset, okay? I'm yeah. a cool cat, right? But it's like, I was livid. Yeah. What an amateur mistake. Oh my God, one of the biggest things in my career that I could do, and oh my God. But the young kid that gave me the wrong microphone, I don't want to get him in trouble. So I calmed all that down, you know? Right. Yeah. They brought me out at halftime. It's great. And then they were talking about me doing the Super Bowl and I was on call for it. And actually they were talking possibly about my brother and I doing it together because I suggested to him oh, it'd be a wow. great thing for both of us because Michael was doing the Rams games, mm -hmm. right? So uh, then The Rock came out and did his thing. And I love Dwayne, you know, he's great, he's great. But he said it his time like five times. And I'm yeah. like, Rock, no, no, <laughs> no, no. Yeah. And if I'm gonna say do it his time, don't say it five times, say it one time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's great, it was all, it's all good. I yeah. love, I love Dwayne, he's awesome. I mean, not a bad guy to have an outside. I, I did write his agent, though. I, yeah, I said, yeah. Send <laughs> him an email. Let him know. No, he's a buddy of mine. He's a buddy of mine, Brad. He's a great guy, big power agent in Hollywood. And I, I said, what did I say? Oh, um, really honored that The Rock chose to say it is time. Great job. Clap, clap, clap. I'm waiting for my cameo in his next movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. This Let is a give or take out. here, guys. This yeah. is a give or take. Sure. Ha has there any been uh, some outrageous requests that you can tell us for you to do an announcement that you didn't do? Well, people want me to do like their eulogies for when they die. Eulogies. Wow. Said, okay. Jesus. Uh, church uh, had me uh, introduce the devil against Jesus Christ at a big, uh, huge congregate, 10,000 congregation, whatever. They went over huge. Oh. Uh, I do a ton of cameos. I do a ton of cameos and I do championship introductions like your USC fighter, weddings and birth of babies, anything you want with respect. Uh, you can write at me at brucebuffer.com, which we do a lot. And on cameo, this one guy ordered a cameo. And it was, um, it's time to move on or something yeah. like that. And the way he wrote it was like, she was getting a new job. She was getting a new house or new place, right? So I, as always, I give it 150%, <laughs> put it out there. He was breaking up with his it's girlfriend. Yeah. The video's amazing. amazing. The video is amazing. Oh my God. And that's so just boosted. I felt so bad on my podcast. I, I told the girl, I said, please contact me. All right, I'm so sorry. Cause let me do a video for you to send to him. Okay. Yeah, 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 let's get right. back at him. Yeah, free of charge. Right? Yeah. So sorry. Because <laughs> honestly, don't ever ask me to break up or I'm not that kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But crazy. I'm sure because it went so viral, right? Cambios. Oh my. I'm, They're on everything. Ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, I love that. 1000%. <laughs> um, you have, by the way, we have to go back to what I'd said on the introduction. Who's your suit guy? Who's doing these suits? Your suits are unbelievable. And are you ever gonna come out in something that's other than a suit just to surprise everybody? I, I thought, uh, answer your second question. I thought when I go to Scotland, that maybe Ooh. I'll get to do it in a kilt. There we go. Cool. That's Brad. I'm afraid if I jump too high, you might see something you don't wanna maybe, see. Maybe, possibly. <laughs> but I'm a proud man, so it's okay. Get those paper rebinds up, baby. <laughs> yeah. I actually thought about that. I, I will possibly consider that. But the answer to your question is they're amazing. And they're out of Toronto, Canada. They're called My King and Bay or King and Bay Clothiers. Just on Instagram, go to at My King and Bay or at MyKingandBay.com. They are just, I met them five, six years ago and we got together, we made an arrangement and I probably have 12, 20 new outfits a year uh, that I wear. You know, I go home, <laughs> goes to the back of the closet, works his way slightly forward. <laughs> Maybe I'll wear it twice in a two year, one year period, depending on the right. event. Um, I have one for tomorrow night. It was just delivered here today, awesome. yesterday. I'll I'll come out in one and I'll do, I'm gonna do a change up tomorrow night in the, uh, when the Ooh. main card starts, I'll be in a different one. Dual oh, suit night, dual huh? Dual suit night. I've done that a few times. Big yeah. time. That's time how you to trend on Twitter. Big yeah. time, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, M M MGM's got the over under what color the second suit's gonna be. Do you believe they take bets on this stuff? No. no. That I've, I've seen sites like, is he gonna wear a bow tie or a tie? Oh yeah. But you can only bet 50 bucks. I would put a, I'd have a friend, I'd send him 10 grand. Put it like, <laughs> yeah, right, slide in there, man. Yeah. And then people will write me when they, and they say, uh, what color are you wearing tomorrow? I know exactly why they're doing it. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, there you go. Some <laughs> betting site has it somewhere, absolutely. But check out King and Bay, uh, because if you're here in the States, they can, and they do this for a ton, for fighters, everything. They get their measurements, they'll fit you, they'll make you the most beautiful suits. Tell them Buff sent you and they'll give you a great deal. They're I, unbelievable. That's I awesome. love that. You kill the suit game. Card silk. And sometimes they can only find enough material to make, well, I'd say 95% of the time, they can only find enough material to make one jacket. Oh, wow, wow, wow. So we've, we've made two like three times, I think that's it. And we've auctioned them off for like eight, 10,000. Oh, that's rad. For charity and stuff. Of course, of course. I, 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 love I keep mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. sure. All the go, custom go. like details on the inside are incredible. Oh, the interior? Yeah, the interior is unbelievable. When you open your- But you, you also have like a, 
a, a like a like that's a, a part of the brand too, right? Like the 100%. suit you come out in, the whole thing. That, that one there was my 25th anniversary jacket. I think I wore that uh, at the last show, the red one. Um, and inside the each individual picture is the actual tuxedo they made for me, and the name of the event in each of those little pictures. Sick. Wow, it's sick! Now that. I'm a big collector of sports memorabilia, antique weaponry. I don't hunt. I can't shoot Bambi, but I can shoot a man coming to my window in a heartbeat. Um, <laughs> he's going to hurt my family. There you yeah, go. You're <laughs> done, dude. You're done. Uh, but I collect that, and I collect uh, vintage movie posters pre-1960. Oh, know, wow. It's a Wonderful Life, Creature from the Black. Sure. All these really cool stuff. Great investments, right? So I know what the collector's market's like. These tuxedos, whenever I want, if I sold them on eBay. Yeah. Sick. yeah. Sick. Absolutely. Yeah. Bruce Buffer's closet also coming soon. Yeah. <laughs> the year after the school launches, the university yeah, launches. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> you know, all this collectible, I tell people the new Panini cards and, and mm -hmm. stuff coming out. Buy them. Even the even the bobblehead that MMA bobbleheads makes of me, they made a thousand of them. They started at 69. They're selling for three, four hundred dollars on the Yeah, insane. people love it, man. You just it, this it's gonna go up. Ten years from now, all this stuff's gonna be so yeah. much more. If there's fandom, there's Mike excitement. Cards, those? Oh we're wow. auctioning off 13 sets. But the highest price paid for one piece of cardboard was $4,200. Oh, wow. Whoa. Yeah, the Cyborg um, Man and Nunes fight. Do you have every fight card that you've ever done? I don't. I wish I did. I do in the early days. I got the first one. There was a period there for about five years. For some reason, I didn't save my cards. I killed myself. Well, you know, you know what I mean. I yeah. right. hate myself for that. But no, I've got in my storage. Yeah. Most of them. The yeah. average set of cards will go for probably in the area of 2,000. And I've got hundreds of them. <sighs> It's ridiculous. That's, That's pretty awesome. cool, though. Just, that is really awesome. Yeah, yeah. Those are those are pretty iconic. And you have your first one you ever did. That's it. Woo! That's yeah, cool. it's a three little three by five cards. That's really like cool. index covered lines. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. So I, Do um, your best. <laughs> but that's when I was doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. So and then um, uh, when I did the three sixty in front of Brock Lesnar at UFC one hundred, you know, I I saved the suit, the shoes, the cars, the program, because uh, that that could be a I'll probably put that on eBay one day. Yeah. Probably one day. Yeah. Because people love, man, they're, they're just addicted to this stuff. You know, it's unreal. Uh, speaking of playing yourself and you were saying like being in a rock movie, uh, we're all huge fans of Entourage. You've been, <laughs> you've been yourself on some TV shows, but what was that like? Cause that when the Entourage like style was show was going out, that was just such an iconic show. It was a change. It was yeah. great. Jeremy Priven's a buddy and um, it was great. I'll tell you what wasn't great, but it was still wonderful. So Chuck Waddell and I are doing the show. Now they used to film Entourage out near my home in Malibu. And there's always, you know, a ton of, you know, beautiful girls and everything. And always an Entourage, beautiful girls everywhere. Of course. Classic. The one Entourage show that I do is, and it's wonderful that it happens way, but it's it's all a bunch of kids, you know? Yeah. And it was like, oh, it was like yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And I looked at Chuck and go, Chuck, we got the right one, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I didn't sign up for this. What's going on? Where's all the girls in bikinis? Yeah, of course. Where's all that? <laughs> Where's all the extras? I didn't get to audition for the extras or anything? Yeah, but it was tons of fun. I mean, you know, I co-started myself on Friends and Entourage and a bunch of other things. So it's all good. You like that? Oh yeah, I wanted to be an actor as a kid. Mm -hmm. I was always into film, I'm a film buff. I can when if you put me on Jeopardy and it's only about movies pre nineteen eighty. Trust me, I got it. Really, uh, wow. I was gonna beat me. Um, I say that with confidence. Yeah, yeah of, course, of course. Let's go. So I always believe in, in my buffer is, is, is that I wrote in my book. It's BSC: Ball, Skill, and Confidence. If you Ooh. lack any one of them, don't sit down at the blackjack table. Okay, Ooh. have it together. BSC, baby. That's BSC. a true OG Vegas thing. By the way, performing in Vegas since you were like an a real Vegas guy and your family was a Vegas family. People call me Mr. Vegas and I laugh at that. <laughs> but like but for, for you to go from appreciating Vegas and being there at a young age and seeing the glitz and awesome. glam through your dad to performing, like what was that? Just the feeling. Amazing. When my dad was alive, I call my mom before and after every show. I mean, I'm, I'm a real family guy. I mean, I'm Italian. I love my mom. I love yeah. my family and all that. And I, I hope we all, I hope everybody loves their families. Um, it's, it's again, it's a bucket list. It's a dream come true. Yeah. And you know, to be with the point where I was in Vegas and had to stand in line in the old days or whatever. Now, I'm not a big fan of the word celebrity, okay? I don't even want to be called it. I'm sorry. It's it's thrown around too cheaply these days. You get a million followers on Instagram for, you know, yeah. you know it's like, and you're, you're a star. No, that's not my idea of a star. God bless you. Make your money. I think it's great. I think it's great. Um, I, I treat everybody equal. I treat everybody with respect and the way I want to be treated. 
but I hate standing in line. And I love the fact that in Vegas, <laughs> I don't have to stand in line anywhere I, I go. Yeah. It, that is the best, that's the best perk of all. That's so anyone, anything anyone can ever ask for yeah. is that. <laughs> By the way, I'm in the same boat as you. Oh uh, yeah. I don't get the Bruce Buffer treatment though. No. All right, you have a ton of projects going on right now. You're incredible at that one. The whiskey, the cologne. Uh, tell me more about the whiskey first. Well, I always wanted my own spirit line and I'm a big bourbon fan and um, I, I'm not a big heavy drinker. I mean, thank God. Okay, <laughs> casual. But I have, I, I have fun like anybody else, but I love sipping fine bourbon and I was approached to do a tequila in America and a cachaça rum out of Brazil. Okay. And um, you know, in Brazil we're as popular as soccer players down there, it's crazy. But I didn't like the business acumen of the people and I didn't care for the product. So I held off because I'm all about, it's gotta be quality. I wanna be a product of the products. I wanna represent it. So that's my own personal thing. Uh, I was filming a Super Bowl commercial back East for uh, an attorney in Connecticut for his local area and his assistant director's um, uncle, he said is uh, developing a new bourbon. We were at lunch. I said, really? And he said, yeah. He goes, can you put me in contact with him? I'd like to talk to him. So we met and um, his name is Brad and, and his partner, Umberto, and they were both behind Sammy Hagar's Cabo Wobble Tequila, Skinny mm -hmm. Girl, Campari, Wild Turkey, big success yeah. yes. backgrounds. So we met and they showed me the bottle and the bottle's name was Puncher's Chance. Boom, right there, you got me in hello, okay? It's all about one punch can change your life. I've been an underdog my entire life, you know, to prove myself as we all have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm all about the Puncher's Chance. And then when I taste, and the bottle was beautiful, is beautiful. So when I tasted it, it's the sweet nectar of the bourbon gods. It's absolutely delicious. We've won six gold medals, three for taste, three for design of the bottle. Sorry, Connor, I know you haven't won any gold medals yet. Uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna show you how to do it the proper way. Hey. So, so then- The uh, proper way? Love you, Connor. The proper way. <laughs> so, um, and the Bourbon Spectator just called us the top five best sipping bourbon in America at the $30 price range. So wow. now I've had that. It's, we're now the fastest selling, highest rated new bourbon in America, one of them. And um, then we came out with a 12 year reserve, beautiful bottle again. This, uh, the first one sells for 30, the second, the reserve sells for 120. You can hardly even find it anymore. It's sold out like that. Yeah. And then I'm coming out with another single barrel version. I can't tell you the name of yet. It'll be out in three months and it looks amazing. And then I have barrels, like mm. where they make them the barrels, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Sick. Now the, the regular bourbon's 90 proof, Reserves 90 proof, the single barrel will be 105 proof, but our barrel versions that come out are 116 proof. Wow, wow. <laughs> they will knock your D in the dirt. Yeah, that's yeah, that yeah, real yeah, shit yeah, right yeah. there. So it's incredible, <laughs> it's incredible stuff. So I'm very proud of it. And we're gonna come out with new versions every six months. And um, we already have people looking at us that would love to buy us out. That's not, I'm not gonna allow that to happen. I, I'm gonna build- Too early same. in the game. Too it's early too in the early game. game. Yep. Connor sold his for 600. I'm not gonna sell mine for 599. No. Yeah. Facts. No. Facts. 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 Or I'll just keep I'll just keep working. It's a great business, a fun business. Well, we I, I, I love the spirits game as well. Um, We do need a, 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 one day we'll get a bourbon sipping moment going because we need to try it. If we're, we're, try if it. we're doing it, we're doing it with you. Uh, you know what? I, I would have one sent to you, but you know, we sell in Vegas all the time. Yeah, no, I'm we'll saying we're, we gotta do it. We gotta do it with you. One day oh, we need shoot, some bourbon with you. I had done it now. Yeah. That'd have been awesome. I My love girlfriend's that. gonna be here in a couple hours. I'll, I'll wait till she gets here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you got a cologne coming out. Yes, I'm very proud of it. Um, it's uh, it's time, cologne. Okay. We're, notice Puncher's Chance, we didn't do it's time. Yep. May do a version of that coming up, but um, it's just my image, you know, promoting. And I am a partner, a vested partner in the company. Sweet. Uh, the it's time cologne, I was a big fan of Obsession by Calvin Klein. And uh, I always wanted to have my own spirit and like, toiletry line. I don't know if this sounds crazy, guys. Yeah. No, it doesn't. No, it so, doesn't. It sounds amazing. So I made this deal with this big company in England for my energy drink, my It's Time energy drink that's coming out in the next eight weeks. It's already been in Europe uh, on soft tests and testing great. It's the most natural, incredible vitamin infused energy drink around. It, it, it kicks ass on all of them. And of course, I'm saying that try it for yourself. Even uh, Jess Nowitzki of Usada loves it. You know, athletes could drink this three times a day. No crash, no nothing. Perfect. So when I did this with them and I'm coming out with a whole bunch of nutritional products, we're, we're marketing that in 40 countries around the world. So they came to me and they said, you know, we have a chance to make the most incredible energy drink. We want to do it with you and call it It's Time. Boom. Hey. Got it. So I do it with the same company. It's also going to be in 40 countries around the world. And um, it's a big, big deal. And it'll be followed up with all nutritional products and, you know, the bars, the shots. It's Everything's coming out, but it's not, and I'm sorry, Monster Red Bull, I'm not saying anything bad, but I don't put crap in it. 
There's no sure. taurine in it. It's healthy for you. You know, you shouldn't be drinking three cans of Monster and Red Bull a day. It's a little too much. Yeah, you know? no, a thousand percent. Yeah, yeah. From a brand perspective, we didn't ask this earlier. We talked about the Royal Rumble, like, you know, brand, but it's time. How did the it's time brand start and become what it is now? All right, I'll give you, I'm going to tell you, and, and before I finish, if you can think of a sentence describing something that I can't put it's time in front of or behind of, I'll give you one of the thousand dollar chips that's in my pocket right now. Fair okay? enough. So every morning I wake up, mine's working. Yeah. Every morning I wake up, uh, I used to look in the mirror and say, it's time to be the best I can be. You know, this time, right? So when I started announcing, I didn't want to be, if anybody could have copied my brother, it would have been me. And I didn't want to be Frank Sinatra Jr. Okay, I wanted to develop mm -hmm. my own style. I gave myself three years to prove that I can deserve this job and I, I stand on my own and not just be Michael Buffer's brother doing this, right? And sure, I guess I said that before, like, you know, he, he's riding the coattails. I don't ride those coattails. I sew those coattails on. Yeah. Okay? yeah. Right? That's what I do. So <laughs> I started and I would say at the top of the show, it's time to begin the ultimate fighting championship. That's how I started all the shows. Right? Got it. When Dana bought it, he flew me into New York for the Godfather meeting, right? So I would sit down, you know, we get along great, but he was like, this is my vision. This is what I want to do. I don't want you saying it's time to begin anymore at the beginning. Um, there are two great fight announcements uh, uh, that, that were made, one by your brother, which was the Riddick Bowl Holyfield fight that I had the epiphany at, he mentioned. Got it. And when you introduced uh, Tito Ortiz and Evan Tanner in Jersey. If you can hold that kind of energy, that's what I'd love to see you do every time. A little less wordy, right? And I didn't have anything at the, a trademark phrase for the end of the event, because every announcer thinks because of my great brother, Michael, that you, and now because of me too, that you need to have a trademark phrase. Right. No, it's not what I say, it's how I say it. Mm -hmm. So I was never trademark driven. So eventually I started thinking, you know, the fans have been here for five hours. It's the main event. The fighters have trained for eight, 10 weeks. This is the moment, the pinnacle moment in their lives. It's time, right? So I started adding it's time to it. And at the beginning, it was like, it's time, it's time. Now it's, you know, you know, yeah. even the big thing. Yeah. So when I knew it took off was I was in Brazil. We were in Brazil after we hadn't gone to Brazil for five or six years because we were, MMA was not allowed. And we had a big show, like 20,000 people with Sao Paulo or Rio. I'm sorry, I forget which. And Stitch Duran, the great cut man, I did the whole it's time. Yeah. And I don't, when I'm announcing guys, I'm looking into the eye of the tiger. Everything else is blocked out. I don't hear anything. I just know it's me and the warrior, right? And the other warrior. And I got to give it to them, right? So when I get out of the octagon, Stitch walks up, he goes, Buff, did you hear that? I go, hear what? Everybody in the arena said it's time with you. So great. Portuguese speaking people. Right. And that's when I knew it caught. And from that point forward, now that pretty much happens everywhere. Yeah. And it's not yeah. just that I'll go, and now, you know, we are, it's like, this is the moment. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I can just go like, it. it's time. Yeah. And they'll still keep, it's, it's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. It's like, and, and it makes the hair on, you know, my arm stand up when I watch it on TV. Again, I'm, I'm still, I'm never going to lose where I came from. Never forget where you came from, guys. The success formula that gets you somewhere, you want to maintain that and be consistent with it. The yeah. moment you think you're above everybody, you're cocky and living on your laurels, then watch what happens. For sure. Yeah. I'm not that way. So I got to stay hungry. Yeah. People, and it, look, and every time you deliver it, people have goosebumps are waiting for it. They want to hear it. It's I've great. landed down and stars have come in front of my eyes in a, a few years back where I almost went down to the ground because I gave it so much. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just about to faint. Yeah. I mean, listen, I've blown my ACL in the octagon. I God knows, you, don't, you have no idea when I do the show when I've had a blown out back. One time I... I did a, uh, we were in Vegas and we had three shows in a row, right? Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. 10 hour work days. Wednesday night, the USC, hey, we want you to go do a lip sync contest. Would you do that? Here's a little coin, go do a lip sync. You want me to host it? No, we want you to do a lip sync. <laughs> okay, whatever, I'll do it. So I did Rebel Yell, Billy Idol, and I watched the video. And at the beginning of the video, he jumps, right? So I go out on stage and I made a mistake. I had a street sock in a, in a sneaker style shoe right? And the stage was kind of flimsy. Mm. So I get out there and I'd already blown my other ACL eight years ago announcing George St. Pierre in front of 55,000 people at the Rogers Arena, the biggest <sighs> show ever. And I blew yeah. it at the main event. I was in a poker tournament the Saturday before and I rolled my ankle <sighs> during the break and at a poker tournament. And <laughs> I had to go back for the final table the next day, which I made. I, I wound up getting third and winning like $30,000, but um, I was on crutches because my ankle was swollen with blood from <sighs> twisting it. 
And when I kickbox, that would go away in a couple hours, but no, you're older. It's right, right. Yeah. So the doctor drew the blood out that morning. I couldn't even stand on my leg until Thursday of that week, leaving for Canada on Friday. Oh I get in the goodness. octagon, I jump, I do everything. I, I get into George, George's corner, George, rush. And he, he uh, comes out and I bunny hop back a foot and a half the way I always do with him. My bad ankle wobbled, my knee exploded, and I oh. severed my ACL at that point, and I didn't fall. And when I walked over to Herb Dean, my, ankle, my knee was going like this, and I got the mic underneath Herb's arm, and I got my face on, but inside I'm going, holy crap, he just blew my effing knee, <laughs> right? And then I get out, you see me hop out on one leg, and Stitch puts an ice pack on me. John McCarthy comes over and he tells me, hey Buff, I think you just blew your ACL. And lo and no. behold, I did, I severed it. So I got it fixed by the great Dr. Alatrosh who did Tom Brady's knee. Yeah. I'm in rehab. Who comes into rehab a week later but George St. Pierre who just blew his ACL in training the month before. So get this, I blew my ACL in front of George. We get operated on by the same doctor and we both wind up in rehab together. <laughs> what is that all Look at about? the odds. Okay? So that was that. Now I do this lip sync contest. So I do the jump and I, you know, I've, I've got a lot of wear and tear on my knees from my surgery yeah, yeah. And, and all the martial arts. So I come down and I hear the same damn pop, Oh, right? And if you Google Bruce Buffer Blows Knee at Lip Sync Contest, it was a three minute song. It blew twice in the beginning. It went, it blew twice. And then 45, 50 seconds in, you see me fall down because the leg gave way. I'm on the ground. I'm still lip syncing. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> the show must go on. I, exactly. I get up. That's exactly the case. I get up. Got to do air guitar part. Now I'm doing this. With and I finish blown it. Out. Blown out knee. And then I do the whole three minutes and I go back. I sit down and I'm sweating. And I go, can't believe this. So I go get an MRI the next morning. Oh, you severed your ACL. You need to rice, you know, rice, rest. Ice. Yeah. Uh -uh. I got to be at the arena in three hours. Okay. I got three shows. Did it on one leg. And uh, the, the guys had to sometime help me up the stairs. Yeah. yeah. Halfway through the show, you'll see I put a brace. They brought me a brace finally. Okay. They're wearing it on the outside of my I'm bad leg. <laughs> next show is inside the leg. So it's like when I'm doing it, you know, when I go boom like that, yeah, yeah. so I, I want to do my thing. So I can't move my knee. So I'm doing my thing. I turn my feet to the left like this as I'm talking. So I can just go like this. Yeah. <laughs> Preset your feet. Preset his feet. Yeah, just figuring out how to do it. So <laughs> three shows in a row. Again, Incredible. I've done this with a blown out back, 103 degree temperature. Whatever it takes. It doesn't matter. You don't know. These guys are fighting. These girls are fighting. Yeah. They're putting their lives in the line. I'm announcing. Yeah. Don't, you're going to hear me complain? Hit me upside the head in there for anything I well look it. you know this is why we love you because whatever it takes you're bringing it to it i love Always. it man. Thank, thank you for coming on the show guys thank at you. bruce buffer ufc on instagram check out everything that he's doing good luck this weekend by the way we'll be there we'll be watching appreciate be you on awesome. the show yeah say hi to the show guys absolutely sure. okay sure. guys we'll see you next week